morning. We'd like to welcome you here to the Houghton Wesleyan Church on this rainy Sunday morning. Please stand and join us as we sing our praises to God together.
Father, we have come today to recognize that Christ is risen. 
that death has been defeated and that you have offered every one of us life. We come today to worship you, the great God, the almighty God, the king of all and, and the one who calls us to yourself. We pray that our worship would honor you and please you and would cause us to desire to be closer to you. And we ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. We invite you to share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today before you're seated. How many of you like ice cream? I expect then to see all of you tonight. So we're going to gather in the community room. It's not exactly the hot weather that, uh, you know, causes us to, to yearn for ice cream. But nevertheless, uh, we're going to just have a, a time of fellowship this evening, some ice cream, just a chance to, to visit, maybe an opportunity to, to catch up with some people you haven't seen for a while as the as uh, life here sort of slows down a little bit with the, the uh, college semester done and winding down, academy done, and uh, public school winding down as well. So we hope you'll join. Come tonight. You can come and go as you want. We'll begin at 6. And uh, just a time to get together and fellowship in the community room. We hope to see you. Next Sunday morning, worship again at 8.30 and 11. And uh, Mike Jordan, who we are pleased to say now one of our pastors, is uh, going to be preaching next week. And uh, he is actually away at General Conference this weekend for the Wesleyan Church. And so uh, but we're happy to have uh, Mike and Kevin Austin both joining our staff. And we, uh, we are excited about that. And uh, Mike will be preaching next Sunday in our worship services. As you look at the, uh, the news for investors, uh, we ended the year a little bit short of our budget but nevertheless, God has provided, and we do have a little bit of a surplus. It seems like that's going to be the case based on expenses. But uh, the exciting thing, too, is to see once again that we have reached an over and gone over our faith promise goal, uh, enabling us to, to do some things outside of the normal uh, parameters of our budget. And uh, we just give thanks to God for that. And thank you for your faithfulness in giving and being a part of uh, that, that venture. There are, as always, a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin, uh, issues to, to uh, pray about. One of the things I know at, at this time of year is there are a lot of transitions going on. Uh, some of them are, are very natural kinds of things as, as students finish school and move on to the next stage of life. There may be transitions in some of our lives, uh, family members, even ourselves, and maybe some uncertainty. And as we uh, go to prayer a little bit later, uh, I want to invite those of you who, are, who are, are praying about a transition, either for yourself or for someone else or something that, that you, know, you feel burdened about in that, that light or other things, I invite you to come to the altar and to pray uh, with us as we pray together. We do want to celebrate uh, a new birth. Finley Reynolds Butine was born last Saturday, and we give thanks to God for his life, to John and Kaylin, uh, parents and grandparents, Dave and Jane Butine, and uh, grandparents, uh, Rich and Sherry Reynolds. And we give thanks to God again for the gift of new life into our church family. 
We also want to congratulate all of the Houghton Academy graduates uh, yesterday. What a great accomplishment for each of them and pray God's best upon them as they move on to the next uh, stage of their lives. And, and uh, we've been excited to have them here and uh, we pray for God's grace on them as they go to the next thing. We'll ask the ushers to come and to assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Children ages 2 to 5 may be dismissed for Children's Church. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this, that caused the Lord of bliss to bear that dreadful curse for my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this, oh my soul, what wondrous love is this, that caused the Lord of life to lay aside his crown for my soul. If you'd like to use the altar as your place of prayer, 
especially perhaps about a need in your life or someone else's that you're burdened about, I invite you to join me as we pray together. Holy Father, you have made everything that exists. You've created the mountains and the hills and the valleys. You've created the trees and the flowers and the birds of the air. You have created us. And we come today in gratitude and thanksgiving for your great mercy in bringing us into this world and for all of your gifts in this world. Father, we know that we have corrupted your world that you've created. And we see the effects of of our sin in so many ways. Our world is filled with heartache and pain, with death and destruction. And so many struggle with insecurity and fear and anxiety. We bring before you all of the burdens and the concerns and the needs in our lives and the lives of those we love and, and of this world as a whole. We pray that you will heal our bodies that are broken. Heal our minds that struggle to understand. Heal our emotions that have been damaged. Heal our souls that have turned from you. We pray, Father, that through the power of your spirit, you will not only heal us, but you will heal our relationships. Help us, Lord, to be be catalysts for change and for love and compassion and mercy and grace in this needy world. Father, there are many of us who are dealing with transitions. It seems as though life continues to bring transitions or at least the potential of it. Some of them are just the natural progressions of life. And some of them are are not bad at all. They are additions to our families. They are journeys that we've completed. Tasks that have been done. And some bring anxiety and fear and worry and uncertainty. The next stage of life. A job opening, a a desire for something different and new in us and around us. Lord, we pray today that you will help us to see 
your presence and to know your presence leading us and guiding us. Help us to trust you. Help us to know that you love us and that every step of the journey, steps that feel comfortable and steps that don't, that you are in control, that you are at work and you are doing more than we could dream or imagine. Father, we thank you for your grace upon each of us. We thank you for the things that you help us accomplish. We thank you for family and friends and the joys of life. And we thank you for your presence in the difficult times of life. As we continue in our worship, Lord, help our hearts to be open to you. Help our minds and our spirits to yearn for you. And may we be filled with your gracious mercy that we might be people of gracious mercy. And we ask this through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading for this morning is found in Luke, Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 23. And in keeping with the practice of the church, the ancient church, would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Luke 22, 7 through 23. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. 
You may be seated. Father, thank you for your great love to us. Help us understand that even more. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Please be seated. What's the most memorable meal you've ever eaten? Give me a second to ponder that. 
Where was it? What did you eat? Who was there? Why is it memorable? I suspect for some of you, it was a, maybe a serious meal. Um, maybe it was the time when you, uh, you and your future spouse said, yeah, let's get married. Maybe it was, um, it was a, a family gathering. Maybe it's memorable because something crazy happened during the meal. It was a birthday or an anniversary we all have these, these memories in our minds of, of a meal that as soon as we think about it, it just brings to us all kinds of emotions. That, that's what meals can do. And, and there's something about gathering around the table and eating food that it sort of breaks down the barriers and the walls between us. You can have a totally different kind of conversation around a table than you can if, they're, if you're just sitting in a room talking. Something about the food just relaxes us and, and helps us to, to communicate with each other. And, and whatever walls are between us seem to crumble. In, in ancient times, and this is still true in a lot of places of the world, to, to invite someone to a meal with you, to sit down with a meal with someone, was to declare your friendship with them. It was to say, this person is my friend, and that's why we're eating together. And in fact, one of the ways to solve a relational dispute was to invite someone to come to your home and to share a meal with you. And it was your way of saying, look, I don't want this problem to continue. I want us to solve this. I want us to be friends. I want us to get along. I suspect that's one of the reasons why the religious leaders are so upset with Jesus that he eats with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. Because as Jesus sits down at the table with them, he's saying something completely different than just, well, I care about these people. Sitting down at the table with them, he is declaring, these people are my friends. I want want a relationship with these people. I, I, I want them to know me and I want to know them. And I want all the world to understand they're important to me. And in the culture of that day, to say that about such people was scandalous. And yet we find over and over and over again... Jesus sitting down with people others would never sit down and eat with. Because Jesus wants to send a clear message about friendship and about relationship, not just with a a few elite people, but with all people. And so it's significant that on the last night of Jesus' life before he goes to the cross, he sits down at a table with his disciples. And at this table, they share this meal together. And Jesus says to them, I am, I am have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. Now, this word eagerly desired is interesting because it, it has this, it really literally, actually it's used twice here. It's so emphatic. He uses the same Greek word consecutively. And it's as though he's saying, with a desire, have I desired to eat with you. There is this yearning, this passion, this eagerness in Jesus to eat with the disciples. That same phrase, exact same phrase is used in Genesis 31 
when Jacob and, and his family have left his father-in-law Laban to go back to his home. And Laban catches up with him to say goodbye to him. And there's other issues, family issues going on. But he says to him, I understand the longing in your heart to be with your family. I understand that deep inner yearning that you feel to get back home. We know that feeling. We've had that experience. You're lonely You're away from friends and you just want to be with family and you have this gut-wrenching feeling, if I could just get with the people who love me. It's the word Jesus uses in Luke 15 when he's telling the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal is so hungry. His stomach is so empty. He's yearning so much for food that he is tempted to eat what the pigs eat. And interestingly enough, it's the word used in the last of the Ten Commandments. Do not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. It's one thing to look at what your neighbor has and say, isn't that nice? What a nice car. It would be nice to have a car like that. It's another thing to have this yearning passion in your soul and in your being that you would do anything to get what they have. And in relation to other people's stuff, God says, don't do that. And here is Jesus saying, I have this passion, this yearning, this deep-seated eagerness to eat this meal with you. Why is that? Well, he says that John tells us that as the meal begins, Jesus talks about loving these who are his own. He wants to communicate to them one more time in a very intense way how much he loves them, how important they are to him, and how much he desires relationship with them. And gathered around this table, he talks to them about his passion for them. It's not insignificant that this is a Passover meal. You know, this meal that commemorates the Israelites, God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt and saving them. And this meal where they eat the lamb. And in essence, you can almost hear Jesus saying to them, I've been talking to you for a long time about being the good shepherd. I want you to understand that not only am I the shepherd, I'm also the lamb. And tomorrow, you're going to see fulfilled something that you could have never dreamed possible. I'm going to go to the cross And I'm going to give myself for you. And why would I do that? Because I love you. And sitting around this table, eating the meal with his disciples, Jesus is communicating to them. In a way that you can can only communicate sitting around a table. As Jesus sits at that table with his disciples, though, it's, it's more than just... The next day. It's more than just his feelings for 12 men. It's really symbolic of God's feelings for all of us. God wants intimacy with us. There is this passion, this yearning deep in the heart of God to be in relationship, to be in the, in the closest intimacy possible with every one of us. And he yearns for that. With a desire, has he desired 
that kind of relationship with each one of us. When I think about Jesus saying he is eager to eat this meal with them, and that word eagerness, it, it, it brings to my mind the, the, the sense of, you know, you know that feeling when the next day something really amazing is going to happen? And, and you're so excited about it, you can, you can hardly contain yourself. I saw a Disney commercial this week that, that shows um, this little boy, probably three or four years old, walks into his sister's room and he says, are you asleep? And she says, no. And he crawl, comes in, he jumps up on her bed and he says, what do you think it's going to be like? And she says, mom says, it's going to be more than we could imagine. It's going to be so magical. It's going to be so awesome. And mom sticks her head through the door and says, guys, you got to go to bed. Come on. And the little boy throws himself back on the bed and he says, we're too excited to sleep. And it may sound a little bit sacrilegious, but in the anthropomorphic language of how we understand God, there is something in the heart of God that says, I am so excited and I anticipate so much relationship with you, I can hardly sleep. And there's something in that truth that gets down deep into our hearts. That the great God of all the universe wants that kind of relationship with us so badly. God wants that kind of intimacy with us. There's this yearning in his soul and his heart for us to understand that. But it's hard for us to understand it. I think it's the great struggle of a human condition to really believe that our great God wants that for us, that he really anticipates that kind of relationship, that he, that he yearns for us so much that in, in, in the human language we use to describe God, he can't sleep. Something in us fears that God puts up with us because he has to, not because he wants to. And it causes us to, to, to live with a skewed view of God. And yet all through time, God has been trying to communicate how much he wants us. When you go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve in the garden, and you read chapter 3 about the fall and their sin, one of the most gut-wrenching parts of that story is that God comes out at night, as he has done every day, it seems, to spend time with them and to walk with them in the garden, and they're hidden. And you could sense it breaking God's heart. And from that moment, God has been doing everything in his power to reconnect us with that intimacy and to help us try to help us understand that he desires that kind of intimacy with us. And he communicates that to, to Adam and Eve and to Noah and to Abraham and to Moses and to his children. And it's the words of the prophets over and over and over again until it culminates in Christ going to the cross. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit to tell us deep in our beings how much he yearns for us and desires us. So much so that he can't sleep. 
But it's hard for us to get that. It's like trying to communicate with our children how much we love them and how much we want them and how, how important they are to us. When they're so small, we try to tell them and we try to do things to show them, but their minds just can't quite understand. Actually, maybe a better example would be our pets. You know, if you don't have pets, it's probably a little hard for you to understand. But if you, if you have pets, you know... They, they be, you love them, but it's hard to communicate that with them. Our little dog, Hobbs, we've had him for t- almost 12 years. He's a part of our family. It, it's going to sound weird if you don't have pets, but he's like our third son. <laughs> you know, Mark and Kelly know, they see us doing crazy things with him. You know, and, and if you ask our children, they probably would say he's our favorite son. <laughs> Certainly the favorite grandson. You know, as, as, as you, I just threw up a few pictures of him, and, and one of the things you can know is that he, our boys never got to drive at his age, I can tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, we try to communicate with him how much we love him and how important he is to us, but it's clear his, his mind just can't get it, at least not in the way that we want him to. And you multiply that a billion times And that's God trying to help us understand. It's true. And one of the ways in which God communicates that with us is through this table, this meal. He says, come, I want you to join me around the table because I got some things I want to say to you. And we gather around the table like Jesus with his disciples and we sit at the table and he tells us how much he loves us and how important we are to him and how much he cares for us. And in this table, we, we hear God's message of grace and mercy. I think one of the reasons we miss it so often is because we are so worried about being worthy. We're so worried about our preparation that we miss God's grace. Now, preparation is important. Don't misunderstand me. In fact, in the ancient church and even a lot of churches still now, you have to go through confession before you can take communion. And we're actually going to do that a little bit later. Have a prayer of confession together. But we get so enamored with that part of it, we miss the heart of it, which is God. And what happens when we focus on, on our part of it is then the table becomes about us more than about God. And we start thinking, am I worthy have I measured up? Have I, have I gotten rid of all the things in my life that might put, come between me and God? And honestly, the answer is no, no, and no. Because we still struggle. That's why John Wesley called this table a means of grace. It is a means of coming to God and experiencing His grace. And what's interesting is that when we begin to understand the grace of God and how deeply God yearns for us and wants us and is passionate for us, then the most natural response in the world is to be prepared for coming to the table. Because the natural response is to yearn for him the way he yearns for us. And then the table becomes not just about God's yearning for us, but it is our yearning for God. Because we see how much God wants us. 
and desires us. Someone pointed something out to me recently that I had not noticed before. Maybe you had, but in the third chapter of Revelation, verse, we come to verse 20, and we use this verse a lot about when we share with people about what it means to be a follower of Christ and coming into the kingdom. And, and this section of Revelation 3 is, is the risen Christ word to the church at Laodicea. And, and they have, they're lukewarm, they've fallen away, and God is warning them. Christ is giving them this warning over and over. And then you come to verse 20, and he says, Behold, look, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, I will come in with him, and I will eat with him. And Jesus makes this connection of eating and relationship. And when we move on later in Revelation, we find that one of the ways that John describes in his image of heaven, what our eternal existence with God will be like, is the marriage supper of the Lamb. That heaven will be this, this huge meal of all of God's people gathered around his eternal table. Eating in relationship as we join together in the eternal grace of God. As we think about God's invitation in this table... Sometimes the picture in our minds might be of, of one of those huge houses, maybe a, a castle somewhere in Europe with those long tables and a, and a husband sitting at one end and a wife sitting way at the other end and all this stuff in between. And they couldn't have a conversation if they wanted to. But the real picture of the kingdom table is just a family gathered around, eating, sharing, Enjoying God's presence. And the father at the head. And the food being passed around. And the conversation. But we're gathered at his table. Like family. Giving thanks for his blessings. I want us to know this morning that God yearns for us. God is passionate with us about, his, about relationship. He wants intimacy with us. Do we see that?
invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that's printed in your bulletins. Let's pray together. Most gracious and loving Father, we cannot hide or deny our sin any longer. By our self-centered decisions and our self-centered disobedience, we know that we fall short of your glory. We see how we hurt one another. We hear your children's cries for help, but do not respond. We feel the burden of sin all around us, yet we are so focused on ourselves that we give little time or energy to others. Father, forgive us. Turn us from self-focus to Christ-focus. Lead us in the way everlasting through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for your great gifts to us and for your passion for us. We remember the night when Jesus met with his disciples. And we pray that as, as we commemorate that night this morning, We pray that your blessing will rest upon the bread and the cup of which we are about to partake. Let it be food for our souls, grace for our hearts. Let it stir in us anew your deep yearning and passion for every one of us. We pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father in heaven, and then he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. I was trying to think of how we might be able to replicate eating a meal around a table. It's a little hard in our setting with pews and the way things are situated. But I, wanted to, I really wanted to communicate a couple of things through our taking of communion this morning. And one is that, that we are, we, this is a, a communal event. Jesus didn't sit at the table with just Peter or, or, or just Andrew, but with all the disciples. And, and so we take together as a family. But I also recognize, it's also important for us to understand that that the food that we have is a gift of God, and, and yet it comes through people who have done that for us. And it's interesting to me when you read all the gospel accounts that it's very clear, make it clear to tell us Jesus made preparations. They didn't get to the upper room and Jesus went bingo and all the food was there. People made it, people worked, people prepared it. And so I wanted to do two things. One is to have the bread made. And so Priscilla Beardsley graciously made all of the bread for us today. 
And I also wanted to find a way, in some sense, that we could symbolize sitting around a table. And so we came up with the idea of having just a small roll, a small loaf of bread for each row. However many people are in your row, you have a piece of bread. And, and we'll, you know, everyone will tear off a piece and just take together as your row. So when everyone in your row has bread, then you take it. And we'll do the same things with the cup. So we'll give every, every row a, a, a roll, the same for the balcony, and then we'll collect those at the end of the row. When the, when the trays are passed to you, uh, I think the simplest thing is if you're on the end, you'll get the tray, hand it to the person next to you, and let them hold it while you take out a cup. And then they can pass to the next person and take out a cup, and that way you're not trying to hold a cup and hold a tray at the same time. But my, my desire is that somehow in us receiving this sacrament this morning, that it would, it would mentally place us back around the table with Christ. And to see and to feel and to hear his words of love and affirmation and grace to us as family. May God bless us as we receive. And I like to mention that you don't have to be a member of this church. Maybe the first time you ever worshipped here, but if you come today desiring the grace of God in your life and and desiring to respond to that grace with openness, then come, receive these gifts as they are given to you.
the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.